listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, good morning. So we're in the season of Easter, and uh, last week we started the series called A Whole New Reality. So early on in the service, we gave you a definition of reality, and here it is again. It's the way things are. So that's reality. may not be the way you want them to be, but it's the way things are. In fact, that's what it's opposed to, as opposed to the way you might want them to be. So you might look at your life today and say, This is what my life looks like. I'm not saying it's what I want my life to look like. I'm just saying that's what it looks like right now, okay? So you look at your finances and you would say, this is reality. This is how my finances look today. It's not that that's how I want my finances to look. Can I get a witness again in the house? But it's the way they look today. This is the way I look right now physically. It may not be the way I want to look physically, but it's how I look. Or this is how my relationships are. Or this is what my life with God looks like right now. May not even be what God wants it to look like, but this is real. This is what I got. This is what's going on right now. So, in in thinking about that, we realize that in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that He opens up the way for this whole new reality. Now, you got to lean in early on this morning, okay? And uh, no matter how old you are, i got teenagers over here on my left in high school and mid, mid-high school. And mid-high school is not even a word, is it? Yeah, I guess it is, mid-high. And i got college students, i got everybody. But you got to lean in, okay? Because I'm going to ask you a question. And it may be the most important question anybody has ever asked you in your life. Here's the other side of it. Everybody, everybody has an answer to the question. You might not like your answer, but you got an answer. So here's a question, only four words I want to ask you this morning. You ready? What do you want? Best question ever. Jesus asked it often. What do you want? What do you mean, what do I want? I mean, what do you want? This determines everything about your present life and your future. You may say, you want to know what I want, Rick? I'll tell you what I want. I want to feel good. I want to be healthy again. I mean, there might be somebody in the room just saying, if you want to know what I want, that's what I want. I want physical health. I'm tired of being sick. You may say, I want somebody that I love to be healthy. I want somebody that I love to be healed. That's what I want. If you want to know what I want, there you go. That's what I want. Some of you may be saying, I just want out from under this financial strain. Man, I carry it with me everywhere I go. It weighs me down. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I just don't want to live under this financial pressure anymore. I want money problems just to evaporate. I want them to go away. 
You might be saying, I want my relationship with my son or my daughter or my father or my mother, my brother, my sister or a friend or maybe my spouse. I want it to get fixed. I mean, it's a mess. I've got a relationship or some relationships in my life. They're broken. They got to get fixed. That's what I want. It hurts my heart a bit. But I worry that there's somebody here saying, you know what I want, Rick? I just want to go to bed and be able to go to sleep without worrying myself to sleep. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of living in the world of what ifs. I just want a little peace of mind. I want to get out of this depression that I'm in. There might be somebody saying, For the first time in my life, I want to stop living for me and start living for Jesus. Because it's always been the struggle. It's always been the battle. I keep living for me, but I wish I could start living for Him. So I don't don't know what it is that you want, but, but there's something that you want. And, and you may say, hey, look look at me, guy. You're, you're making a big deal out of nothing. You don't know me. All I want to do is watch some more sports and eat some more junk food. That's really all I want. Well, I mean, if that's it, then that's it, okay? I mean, but you want something. And that may be all that you want right now. But then that's what you want. You may say, I want to be the next governor of the state of Oklahoma. Then that's what you want. But everybody in the room, there aren't any exceptions. You don't get out of this conversation You want something. And here's the deal. You live toward what you want. Right now, you're living toward something. You're living toward what you want. So let me give you an example of Jesus asking this question. If you open your Bible to Mark chapter 10, okay? Mark chapter 10, Jesus is walking toward Jerusalem with disciples. He knows he's walking toward his death. And so he just tells them, okay, guys, here's what's up. We're going to Jerusalem They're going to condemn me to death. They're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me. They're going to spit in my face. They're going to take a whip and they're going to whip me until I've lost half of the blood in my body. My back is going to be torn to pieces. And then they're going to put me on a cross and they're going to kill me. I'm going to die on the cross. I mean, he's telling his disciples as he's walking along the road this whole story. Here's what's about to happen. You need to know. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And so Mark is telling the story, and he says, then, okay? Then, in verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And there's the question. What do you want? I think it's an awesome question. (laughs) It might be the best question I've ever heard in my life. What do you want me to do for you? And so they replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. When you become king, when you become president, I would like to be your vice president and my brother would like to be the speaker of the house. Could you arrange that? In other words, they're saying we want power, we want prestige, we want authority, and we would like, to some, we would like some control. 
And Jesus' response was, you don't know what you're asking. And then he asked this question, because Jesus asked a lot of questions. Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And listen to the response. We can. I mean, in fact, we would do anything to get what we want because everybody in the room wants something and we all live toward what we want. I mean, we will do anything to get what we want. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. The answer is really interesting because it's up to them. But they don't know that yet. And you're going to be surprised how we get there. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So when the ten, meaning the other ten disciples who weren't with James and John, when they went to Jesus and asked for this special request, when they heard about it, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together. And here's a big major teaching moment. You ready? You know that those who regard it as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Now that's the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of God, we do things really different. Instead, in the kingdom of God, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, and Jesus is referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Hmm. How do you feel about that teaching moment? The reason that it's important to talk about this today, what you want, and everybody wants something. You're living towards something. The reason it's important is because you actually become what you want. So your life right now is a reflection of what you actually want. You may like that, you may not like it, doesn't matter, it's true. You live toward what you want and your life right now is a reflection of what you want. So there's a guy whose name is James K. Smith, not to be confused with James Brian Smith, whom I quote way too often. This is James K. Smith, and here's what James K. Smith says. He says, what do you want? This is the most incisive, piercing question Jesus can ask of us because we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires. Now think about this. What you want, what you long for, what you desire, they are at the core of our identity. The wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. So you know where I found myself on Monday morning? I found myself standing in a Walgreens. Do you know why I was standing in a Walgreens on Monday morning after Easter Sunday? Because they put candy on sale half price on Monday mornings after Easter Sunday. (laughs) Do you understand what you want is the wellspring from which your actions and behaviors flow? I want candy. 
I live for sugar. I love it so much. I want it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it determines how I act. Now, I know it's kind of a simple illustration, but apply it to your own life. What do you find yourself doing? You do what you want. You live toward what you desire, what you long for, what you want. You can't help it. It's human nature. It's the way you live your life. And if you want it, you're going to find yourself living toward it to the point that it determines how you behave and how you act. That's why I find myself standing in Walgreens on Monday morning after Easter Sunday. Because I want candy. Okay? Now, I think it begs a question. And the question that it begs is this. What if you want something you shouldn't want? But deep down you want it. Hey Rick, what if I want something and I shouldn't want it? Because right now there is something that I really want and I know I shouldn't want it. I know it's wrong. I know it's bad. I know it's bad for me. I know it's not good for me. I know it's not good for the people that I love. But I want it as bad as I've ever wanted anything in my entire life. What do you do when you want something that you should not want? One of the things that I love about Jesus, one of the many things, is that He didn't give us easy answers, hardly ever. But He did ask really hard questions that made us think hard and made us look deep into our lives. And so this is one of those really hard questions that Jesus asked. I'm telling you, it's not an easy question to answer. You've got to spend some time on it. If you really get at the bottom of what do you really want, okay? And so Jesus asked about 170-some questions in the four Gospels. I mean, he wasn't just, well, I've got the answer for you. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. No, no, no. He often answered your questions with questions. Which reminds me of, I asked my friend once, why do you always answer my questions with a question? To which he responded, why does it matter to you if I answer your question with a question? (laughs) Ta-da. I'll let you recover from that very funny joke, and then I'll get on with the sermon here in a minute. That That was poor, wasn't it? That was really bad. What do you want, Jesus says. And it seems to me that the disciples, James and John, wanted something they shouldn't want. We want power. We want prestige. We want control. We would like to replace the self-centered, overpowering rule of the Romans with our own self-centered, overpowering rule. We would like authority. We would like prestige. We would like to be in charge. For once in our lives, we would like to be the guys that tell everybody else what to do. And Jesus says, can you drink from the cup? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? The cup meant suffering. The baptized meant being plunged into utter distress and chaos. And their response is, absolutely Because we want something really bad and we're willing to do almost anything to get what we want. And it may be hard for a little while, Jesus, but I mean, you know, we'll get through and eventually we'll be on top. Because we want something and you and I, as much as they live toward what we want, that's the way we are. And the other ten become indignant. And it makes you wonder and scratch your head. And ask, are they indignant because 
James and John should not want this stuff? Or are they indignant because James and John beat us to the punch on getting the best seats when Jesus becomes king? Because we wanted prestige and control and power. Now, here's what you can't do. You can't demonize everything that you want. Okay, and that's the temptation here. And it's where the enemy would love to take you and get your head all messed up. See, if, you, if you're sitting here this morning and you're looking at me and you're thinking, Rick, the only thing that I want is somebody to just love me. That's all I want. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. God created you in such a way that wanting someone to love you is a very natural desire. Nothing wrong with that in the world. I mean, there's a lot of things that you may want that are legitimate things to desire. God's not displeased with you for wanting those things. You understand that you were created with sexual desire. That in itself is not a bad thing. It's how you fulfill that that becomes the issue. So there's a lot of things that you may want that are really good to want. God made you this way and it's very natural for you to want those things. It's not a big deal. In fact, you're just living as you were created to live. But could we talk for one minute about what about those things that I want that I should not want? Okay? And, and you know what you don't need right now? You don't need me to talk to you about what those things are or to tell you about it. Because you already know. You, you know what things are in your life that you say, Rick, I... You know what, I don't, I don't need a preacher or anybody else to tell me that I should not want this. I know that I shouldn't want it. You remember the, 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 the composer, the jazz guy, and band leader Duke Ellington? Someone asked him once to define rhythm. And you know what he said? Well, if you have it, you don't need a definition. And if you don't have it, a definition is not going to help. And the truth of the matter is, if there's something in your life right now that you love, you know whether or not you should love it. You don't need anybody to tell you. You know. And so where Jesus goes with the what do we do with this? Because you're going to walk out the door in a minute. You're going to leave this room... And, and, and you've got to ask yourself, so how do I apply this to my life today? What, do I, what am I going to do with this? Okay, what, how, how do I move forward? How does this help me to be a better person? How, how am I going to apply this to my life? And, and that's where Jesus goes. Jesus suggests to the disciples that maybe you've misunderstood. Maybe you want the wrong things. Maybe you're confused about what the kingdom of God really looks like and about... Maybe you're confused about me and, and what I'm all about. Maybe you're not getting the message here. And, and so Jesus takes them down this other kind of path. And he says, let's just linger here for a minute. Because don't you think it's odd, guys? Don't you think it's odd that I'm talking to you as we're walking along the road about the fact that I'm getting ready to give my life. I mean, I'm going to lay my life down. Did you hear me? I said they were going to spit in my face. They were going to mock me. They were going to beat me with a whip. They were going to put me on a cross. And I'm going to die there. 
Don't you think it's odd that right after that conversation, you give me a wish list of what you want? Doesn't that seem odd to you a little bit? Do you think maybe you're missing the point here? And he, and he talks to them about, about being a servant. And, and here's what Jesus says. He says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I, I didn't come saying, give me your best position of authority with recognition and power. No, I, I came saying, I want to serve. Even to the point that I'm willing to give my life as a ransom for many. And then he tells a story. I'm sorry, he doesn't, Mark tells a story. He, in the very next paragraph, not later, now. And it starts with the word then again, and here's what it goes. He says, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with this large crowd uh, were leaving the city. And now a blind man, his name was Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside and he was begging. Because if you were blind in that day, that's your only source of income. So when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so many rebuked him. It wasn't like they were carrying this guy to Jesus saying, Hey, it's your lucky day. Jesus is passing through. Maybe he'll give you your sight. It wasn't like that at all. They rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it's a big deal because it was like a messianic title, Son of David. He was saying, I think you might be God's chosen one. And so Jesus stopped, which is further evidence that Jesus did not come to be served but to serve. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And you remember when Jesus called you? He called you to a new reality, a new life. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And so throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And there it is. Wow. The same question he asked many people. Might be the best question you've ever been asked. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus asked him, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And when Mark tells the story, you get the idea that maybe Mark is suggesting that Bartimaeus is not the only person in the story that is blind. Go figure. That maybe the disciples are blind to the truth about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And Jesus performs this act. He heals this man. He lets him have his sight. He lets him see. And what he's really doing is trying to say to the disciples, let me draw you a picture of what this looks like, okay? I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to help and to heal and even to lay down my life for people like Bartimaeus. And that's the way you should be thinking. That's the new reality. That's what life looks like in the kingdom of God. It's not about being in charge and having prestige and power. It's about being a servant. And what he does is he redefines greatness. See, in the kingdoms of the world, greatness is... If you are Roy McIlroy or Patrick Reed at the Masters today, 
or if you're one of the great NBA players or a great baseball player, or if you achieve something major, and the kingdoms of the world sit back and say, now that's greatness. Jesus says it differently. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Speaking of great questions, he asked a great question. For who is greater? This is a great question. The one seated at the table or the one who serves? (laughs) And in the kingdom of the world, you would say, well, that's easy. It's the person at the table. But in the kingdom of God, oh no, it's the person who serves. This is the anniversary of the death this past week of Martin Luther King Jr. And Martin Luther King Jr. said, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. So I grew up as a kid in a church. Like you're going to church today. And we used to have this song that we sung. Hear the words. I have one great supreme desire. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a servant. So let me let me wrap things up. I'm I'm almost done here. If you're If you're struggling today in your walk with God, if you would say, I'm not doing so well, Uh, my walk with God would be uneventful at best, okay? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm really growing in my faith right now. In fact, if I try to do devotional times, um, they're not very full of life, okay? I don't walk away going, wow, most every morning that I give that an attempt. I'm just kind of dry. I would say, Rick, in my walk with God, I'm in a wilderness right now. Then, then I would say to you, take some time to reflect on the question, what do I want? I think I would start there. Because that determines everything about who you are today and who you will be in the future. It's an awesome question. What do I really want? In fact, here's what I think might be really wise, is to find yourself alone today or tomorrow with a pad of paper in front of you and a pen or a computer and just begin writing. And at the top of the the page, I would just write the words, what do I want? And I I I would maybe break it down into some categories. You might talk about what you want for yourself physically. See... I I say to people, I want to be in better physical shape. But that's not true. What I really want is the next donut. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what I do. And you live toward what you want. See, I can say to you, I want to be in better shape, but I don't want to be in better shape. I wish I was in better shape. Big difference in the two. What I really want is the next bowl of ice cream. I'm thinking about ice cream right now. See? So you can say you want something, but you live toward what you want. And so what if you wrote down what you really want? 
What do I want in my relationships right now? I could say I want these relationships to find healing and growth. But do I really want that? I could say that I finally want to get away from this living for myself and begin for the first time in my life to live for Jesus. Is that really what I want? Because our behavior and our actions flow out of the wellspring of what we want. What you are today, right now, is a reflection of what you want to be. Because we live toward our wants. Last, last conversation, I promise. I'm done with this. What if I don't want the right things, Rick? What, what do I do? I mean, just, just what if I want things I shouldn't want? And, and what if, like you, I say I want to be in better shape, but I really want the next time. I mean, what, am I just stuck? I mean, if this is what I want, that's it. I mean, that's, these are my desires. These are my longings. Am I just stuck? No, by no means. James K. Smith, who I quoted earlier, would say that you are not stuck by any means. But God has given us the gift of practices, or what he would call liturgies, what I call practices. And God uses those practices to transform you, to change you, to shape your life into another form than it looks like right now. And so here's the deal. We talk about six practices often. When I come to church with you on Sundays, God speaks to me. And some of you would say, I'm with you because this morning God has been talking to me. I hear you, Rick, because already God has been talking to me this morning. And God does use these, t these times, excuse me, to shape me and to change me. When I get up in the morning, if I provide adequate time to spend with God in His Word and in prayer, I will tell you God uses those times to change. I mean, God speaks to me. Yesterday morning, yesterday morning, I was, I was not home. We were out of town, and I got up, and I was doing devotions. And I'm telling you, God spoke to me about practicing an awareness of His presence. It was good stuff, and I can't get it off my mind yesterday or today. God is using that to shape me, to change me, to transform me. When you find a place to serve and you start giving yourself away and your time away and then your energy away and you get this attitude that says it's not about what I want, it's about helping somebody else, God will use those moments to change you, to shape you, to transform you. You will move from reality to a new reality. This is the person I was, but now this is the person God is making me. When you give up your resources, when you share your faith, when you live that out in the context of community and group life, I'm telling you, I sit down with these guys about once a week. And they, they, they look me in the eye, I look them in the eye. We ask each other hard questions. We speak into each other's lives. And God uses that experience every Friday at lunch to transform me. I continue to believe that God is helping me to become more like Jesus. So you're not stuck. And you might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the Lord's Supper. 
And we said that is one of the things, you can come on up, that God uses to shape me, to change me. And John Wesley said, why would you not do this every time you can? Because in it is grace. And through this very act itself, God will change you and transform you and help you to become the person that God wants you to become. And so you want to stand with me. And those of you who are going to serve us, would you come now down to the front? And so we also talked the other day about when you do this, it's really important that you're seeking Jesus. That you truly desire Him in your life. And in a moment, a tray is going to come by you. And if that is your story, then I want you to take the stack of cups. There are two. And in the bottom one, there's bread. You can just put that in your hand and maybe stack them back together if that's easiest. And once you've done that, will you hold them in your hand until everybody has been served? And then, like you do when you get together with your family to eat, you wait till everybody's there to start. We will all eat and drink together, okay? And in these next few moments, receive the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus to want the things you should want. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.